Welcome to In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am Matt Thomas, joined as always by my co-host and best friend, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Doing really well. How about yourself, man? Uh, doing good, thanks. It has been both a quiet and a busy week if you've been keeping an eye on NBA news. So kind of, kind of one of those odd weeks where there's a lot of off-the-court stuff that's going on so we're going to review some of those headlines today and let's just go ahead and dive right into it Justin this has been kind of hanging over the show for a while I I wanted to address Team USA's FIBA World Cup performance Uh, so we're going to take a look at what they did and I'm sure if you're listening to this you already well know that Team USA had a disappointing result in the World Cup here. So pulling it up right now, their final game was against Team Canada. And this was for third place. And unfortunately, the team didn't do as expected. Didn't even make it to the medal stand. You see it there. Team USA loses 118 to 127. Mikhail Bridges hits an incredible shot to send Team USA into overtime, but then unfortunately they can't get it done. Dylan Brooks, by the way, 39 points in this game for Team Canada. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander looked amazing as well. But zooming back out, there were struggles before this that we saw with Team USA. Of course, they lost a very close one, 113 to 111 to Team Germany. Congratulations to Team Germany, who won their first ever World Cup championship, winning the gold medal there in the title game against Serbia. So, Justin, I guess first, let's just ask, you know, there there was all this talk about this team is up-and-comers here. This team, um, you know, is is underwhelming. Um, what's your thought on Team USA? I mean, do you think there's credence to the idea that this was a B-team squad. Are you massively disappointed? Just give me your general feelings on Team USA. Yeah, there's absolutely credence that this is a B-team squad. It is. <laughs> I put it in our group chat. But that's nothing bad. I think I think by now, basketball fans have this sense of the sport being owned by the United States. Like, this is, this is our turf. I think really, other than, like, football, I mean, basketball is probably second in terms of like Americans having this arrogant attitude of owning, you know, basketball on a global stage. And since the Dream Team, if you watch that documentary till now, international teams have been catching up dramatically, as you've seen with the league. I mean, how look look at the two top MVP candidates. Are they American? No. So I just think, and even if you talk about the top ten players in the league, you probably, I mean, off the top of my head, there's four. Right now, Luka, Giannis, Embiid, and the Joker. And I'm sure I'm leaving off a few more just at the top of my head. I mean, that's four out of ten, and who knows who I'm leaving off the list of international players. So the bottom line is that the world has caught up, and that's great. That's awesome. Honestly, it makes the World Cup more interesting compared to the – I mean, honestly, from a rating standpoint, from a network standpoint, they need 
a lot of content. That's awesome. And I think that's great. And it creates a better story. I think that's fantastic for the U.S. For LeBron, I think he said he's going to commit or there's been rumors of that along. He's kind of gathering the Avengers to play in the Olympics. So I I think about that, too. But yeah, yeah. I think the the main concern would be if the U.S. didn't qualify for the Olympics, then there's a problem. (laughs) Then I think there's a real serious issue. But to me, I don't know. Germany has a great team. Serbia has a great team. Canada, that's great for Canada. I mean, they have always kind of been disrespected in the basketball community. And for them to beat the U.S., that's that's great. I know, I know you might, there might be people listening to this being like you're anti-American, but I'm pro-basketball. <laughs> I mean, it's great. So to me, like this whole thing of, oh, USA sucks and we should be hanging our heads in shame. Have you watched the NBA lately? The last, <laughs> I don't know, 10 years? I mean, it's gone to being, it's it's evolved into an international game. So for fans to freak out over this, I think it's ridiculous. And I think it's great. I think it's awesome to see. And I think it grows the players of that quote-unquote B-squad team. Um, you know, it gives them motivation in terms of if they want to make the team later or just them going back to the NBA team. So I think overall it was a pretty much a positive, despite the U.S. not winning the gold. Yeah, good points. I think it's oddly kind of a weird flex and a proof of America's dominance as well that you could send your B team. No other country could send the B team and get a fourth place result on the world cup stage. So oddly it kind of still sort of proves America's dominance in the sport, but now it's just an issue. You know, there's kind of a a malaise and players not necessarily wanting to jeopardize injury risk, those types of things. So now it's, it's like, there's this issue of motivation. Like, are we going to get our A team guys or even just enough of them to carry us to the gold? Like we did last time around, Uh, Are we going to get enough of those players to join up with the team? You mentioned LeBron, you know, sounding off about that. And I just want to ask on that again, do you buy? I mean, so it's, it's a great PR move right now while everyone is kind of angered as, as is what happens anytime America loses on the world stage. But do you buy that in a year, there's still going to be this motivation to get people out for this? Or is this just like a a good look, a popular kind of talking point right now for LeBron to kind of look good for himself and and any of the other star players that are talking a game right now? Are they going to have the energy next year and still the the desire to get in there and, and be another redeemed team? I think so. I think there's several factors. One, LeBron, this is kind of his swan song. We don't know how many years he has left in the league. I mean, LeBron's so great, he could play at 40%. I mean, he could play like, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes a game. The team's going to be pretty stat. So as long as there's any injuries, I mean, that might be a factor in this. But assuming everybody's healthy after the regular season, what, you get LeBron, Steph Curry's probably going to play, Durant, Draymond, I'm trying to think who else would be at the top of my head. Um, probably Damian Lillard. You know, a, a few of those guys. I don't, I mean, to me. Yeah, KD. Yeah, they they all will commit. I think the main question is, is continuity, right? Can you get all these superstars to just play, just throw them all together and expect them to win? I think that's going to be the very interesting experiment because that's been a point of discussion before. So 
I think they'll commit. I think they'll be together. I think the question is, is with this FIBA World Cup, putting this B team out there, should you have more of your A-quality stars for continuity purposes only? So not necessarily them playing all the time, but it's them around the team, them getting kind of a feel for the other squads. Because we, we see a lot of these other players, Luca participate, other players, you know, taking part in this tournament. Um, and I guess them, I think, more prepared for the Olympics. So that's my only concern. But them committing, I think they'll be there. Trey Kirby from No Dunks Podcast had a great <clears throat> tweet on this that we actually retweeted on our Hoopsology feed. I, I just want to read it real quick because I think it is so accurate and may be the trend that we see with USA basketball moving forward with um, kind of how NBA stars and, and U.S. in general has been reacting to World Cup. So here is from Trey Kirby, the USA basketball cycle. Don't prioritize the World Cup. Send second-tier players to World Cup. Fail to medal at World Cup. Top-tier players want to reestablish Team USA at Olympics. Win at Olympics. And then that leads back into don't prioritize the World Cup. And it's a cycle <laughs> that goes back through those stages. I thought that was spot-on from Trey Kirby there. So kudos to you, good sir, for that. Um Next thing I, I wanted to touch on just briefly, I, I think it's a a really odd sort of situation. When we talk about the world championship, th this is something that doesn't stand out to me each year when we're talking about the NBA. But early on in this World Cup scenario, Noah Lyles, who uh, I believe is a sprinter, he's a track star from Team USA, was talking about feeling kind of put off about the label of world champion to people who win in the NBA. Uh, so the NBA champion being labeled as the world champion. Now, just to tell you my personal view, I think when you have a collection of the highest paid talent, and so therefore presumably the most talent, because I've, you earn that high paying contract by performance in the NBA. When you have a collection of that highest paid talent that wins the NBA championship, I think there is some sort of fairness in labeling them the world champion. The fact that maybe not every single country is represented in that. I don't know that it matters because you have sort of that tip of the spear of basketball talent collected there in the NBA. Very few players that are NBA talent being left out of that. Now I get that because we're not categorized, this is sort of like a, a mercenary for pay sort of organization of these players that it doesn't, it doesn't equate all that well because it's not a country by country competition. So I think the whole argument is a little bit silly but I also feel, and let me know your thoughts on this, I don't think Team Germany would beat the Denver Nuggets if we were playing in just a one-off, here's a world champion game, Team Germany, congrats to you. You did win the FIBA World Cup. <laughs> now, just for funsies, we're going to put you against the Denver Nuggets. Who wins? I think it's the Nuggets. I think it's a false comparison even to make that comparison. I mean, in soccer, they play year-round, and... 
you don't have you don't see Barcelona versus you know Brazil like that. Why that you know you have international players you know on these you know European soccer teams. So, and to me, if you look at you know something like soccer, they're by region, right? Like they're split up by different countries. You know, in Europe, you have the Champions League. That's the, they're the champions of Europe. They're not saying world champions of soccer, even though they have the best players. But with the NBA, it's made up of the best players in the world. So there's no barrier. There's, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's no players outside the NBA, their NBA caliber that are playing international. All the best talent play in the NBA. There is no dispute, no question. So I don't. To me, they're a world champion. I don't understand the debate here. I think the sprinter's fairly insecure about his own sport. Like, I don't understand why you're even commenting on this or making it a big deal or getting upset about this. Just focus on your own sport. Sprinting's awesome. Track and field is great. It's it's a great spectacle. It's a great sport. My dad ran track in high school. I think track is awesome. So to worry about the NBA, this label, like, who cares? Like, no one's saying basketball's better than track. I mean, I don't know why he's even commenting on this, to be honest. I think yeah, it's pretty yeah. stupid. No, to your point, it seems low-key, a little bit jealousy of the attention that the NBA gets. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there for sure. Last thing on this World Cup, and then I do want to move on because we have two other major topics to get to. Rudy Gay suggested that Team USA would be better served holding tryouts rather than kind of just hand-picking players from players that say they would commit to play for Team USA. Your thoughts on doing tryouts? Personally, I've, I will just say I love the idea of tryouts. I'm always for competition like that. I just don't know that the modern NBA star wants to deal with that in the same way that, you know, older generations of players did, but maybe I'm off base in saying that. I wonder just how the roster is constructed that maybe the tryouts take place in a different manner, just in terms of how you perform on like an NBA level. So you may not just have, you know, your typical, I don't know, 50 guys and you're trying to pick which the best roster is going to be. You're trying to construct that throughout the year. So I'm sure these coaches are talking. I mean, with Steve Kerr, it's a pretty <laughs> – he's doing double duty. He's coaching the Warriors, but I'm sure he's doing Team USA stuff throughout the season. So, Jimmy, I don't think really tryouts are necessary. Like you said, Matt, I just feel you can pretty much construct a roster. I think the the main thing is continuity, putting them together – and putting them kind of in live fire so they're ready. And that's really hard to do. But it's weird because, you know, the more I compare it, we mean, there's been a lot of soccer comparisons to the NBA lately just due to the in-season tournament and the international flow of the game. And you take a look at soccer. They play 365. They play all the time. They play multiple teams. So I, I can't imagine NBA players being less conditioned than, a, you know, a soccer player. I think the level of conditioning is very similar and the same. So. To me, I think there should be expectations of getting the roster um, more, I guess, live games per se, um, just throughout the year, just in preparation for international competition. I think that would be the better solution compared to just having kind of these random tryouts that you know the players are going to pick anyway. So, Yeah, I like that. I mean, like in the in the wake of the loss here, I mean, it would be cool to see, you know, let's have – commitments right now for team usa and yeah we're not doing practices right now but we're maybe having you know meetings um 
you know, maybe that's just like a monthly meeting to start just to start building continuity with this team and then, you know, setting up uh, some more practices earlier on whenever that's allowed to build that continuity, like you said, because you mentioned soccer. I mean, that's that's a huge thing with soccer is the continuity of the teams. That's why one of the reasons why USA typically doesn't do as well in soccer is because in a lot of cases, countries have been playing together since they were maybe like 16 years old. And it so far to this point, it's, it's a lot different in the U.S. system. Yeah. Um, so maybe we're seeing that sort of transfer over into basketball. Uh, I want to shift topics here, and this is not an easy topic to discuss or shift into. So we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, I believe it was on Monday, September 11th, when the news came out about the allegations against Kevin Porter Jr., who currently is still a guard for the Houston Rockets. And first and foremost, I mean, just need to obviously acknowledge that this is a, a tragic situation. Any of these situations with domestic violence, it's it's terrifying. It's awful. It's despicable if the allegations are true that have been uh, put up against Kevin Porter Jr. Um, the victim here, a former WNBA player, Kaiser Gondrasic, and um, she had to be hospitalized. There, there was blood involved. There's potentially fractured vertebrae. I've heard that this is somewhat questioned now with regards to where we are in this investigation in terms of the fracture that I just mentioned. But in any case, it's it's awful what happened. And uh, so just wanted to acknowledge first and foremost that our prayers go out to her for her recovery. Hope she is okay. Hope she makes a full recovery from this vicious assault uh, from, you know, what, it, what is being reported thus far. Now, this has led to a lot of discord over X or Twitter. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of emotions here, uh, which makes sense. Some people have gone through things and they are now sort of reliving their own trauma and seeing these things. So I understand people getting emotional. One thing that I want to say, maybe just as a positive note, is I really have not seen anything that's fully like trying to defend assault or things like that. It has all been very focused on like this can't be tolerated in the league. And I think people are in uniform agreement there that if the investigation finds that the allegations are true, this can't be tolerated in the league. Um, there are new provisions in the collective bargaining agreement where uh, a player can be waived for these types of um, these types of crimes if if they are found guilty for this. Um, now, shifting on to the basketball side of things, almost certainly you'd have to imagine that Kevin Porter Jr. will be waived here. There are also there there was controversy brought up by the Rockets seeking a potential trade, and that does sound kind of shocking and jarring. But I think what we have to keep in mind here is that 
he is still a $16 million calorie, $16 million salary cap spot on this Rockets roster. And so a trade would facilitate them getting him off the books and basically not having to pay his contract. So basically getting ahead of this investigation, they know that they don't want him playing on the team this upcoming season regardless. So this just allows them to move on from him quicker, kind of leapfrogging the NBA investigation that's going on right now. So just to clarify, the Rockets cannot waive him at the moment because in these situations, they have to wait until the NBA investigates before they act, or they have to Mm. wait until a guilty ruling by the court. And from what I have seen so far, unless this has changed, his first hearing is on on October 16th. So we're looking at a month uh, from when we're recording this today. So the Rockets are trying to get ahead of that and just get him off the roster. I, I, I think there's sort of an optics that's being mistaken that the Rockets are like, hey, what trade value can we get from Kevin Porter Jr.? And I think it's much less that and much more, can we just move on from this, get him off the roster? We don't want him at practices. We don't want him at anything. So you can you can find a list of Kevin Porter Jr.'s past infractions. I've seen posts about that, which is unfortunate. Um, of course, you know, he needs to go through this investigation and I hope that justice is served in terms of looking on a basketball perspective. It's hard to imagine in the near future, him getting another chance in the NBA. I mean, there may be potential jail time here, uh, but also beyond that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because you want to see a redemption story for a troubled player. The Rockets, as most of you probably recall, got him for, for very, very cheap. I mean, pennies on the dollar because unfortunately there were some issues going on that have been stemming from, I believe, his high school playing days. Uh, and this would now be, you know, a sixth or seventh chance in terms of his basketball career if he were able to come back to the NBA if a team was interested in signing him after all of this. Uh, so it doesn't look good. It, it may be that he is able to play overseas after that. Like we said, honestly, that's one of the least of our concerns here in the, in this whole tragic situation. But Justin, your your thoughts on just the overall situation. Yeah, I'll keep this short and sweet. Um, thinking about your comments about what the Rockets are going to do, I think this should be an NBA issue completely. Yeah, he should be suspended indefinitely. This should not be a Rockets decision. This should be a league decision. He's suspended indefinitely until they investigate, period. Yep. Then from there, if the allegations are true, looks like I'll go on a limb. Looks like they're going to be, unless there's some kind of miracle. He should be banned from the league, period. I don't, I don't think there should be any debate based on his track record, even th- if this was his first incident. I don't believe in terms of this serious of a crime that he should be given a second chance, let alone his past rap sheet. He's done and playing in the NBA ever. And having a zero tolerance policy like this makes it very clear. And to me, with the Rockets with personnel decisions, that's I'm thinking more in terms of, hey, a player doesn't get along with another player or some kind of <clears throat> situation 
within the organization itself. To me, that's when that's they should be handling the stuff within their own house. This is external. This is something that is detrimental to just society, um, let alone basketball and let alone to the NBA. And I think it's very clear cut. I don't know why we're waiting around for this. I don't know why it hasn't been in. Maybe, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't heard anything of him being suspended indefinitely or like, hey, he's not going to play any basketball. There's the assumption that there is, but there needs to be a clear, hey, he's suspended indefinitely. Um, once the investigation is complete, just due to probably just the players' union, if everything appears to be that the facts are correct, he should be sus- he should be suspended, banned from the league, period. And hopefully, seeing a lot of jail time. But we'll see. I think we've seen plenty of just different players, and I'm certainly in other sports, um, combat sports specifically, where they get off scot free in terms of domestic violence issues. So I'm hoping the NBA does not follow that trend of combat sports just because it is more of an organiz- organizational structure. But we'll see. I'm very skeptical in terms of the right punishment being handed out in these situations. So I just hope, like you said, Matt, justice is served. But to me, just toying around with this whole he should be waived or he should be traded. I think that shows a failure on the NBA's part just to suspend him indefinitely and basically just wait till this investigation plays out to where you can just ban him from the league. Yeah, and I I mean, we get into conversation where – what is the extent of what the NVA can investigate and do? Because there is a legal system that's that's working here and a justice system that hopefully is going to find out the truth and and punish accordingly and and hand out that justice. Uh, can, so, can I, yeah, can I mention something yeah. about that though? Because yeah. the legal system takes <laughs> it does forever. That's so if we're seeing facts about this case that are pretty evident. The NBA can take action here. Like, I just, unless there's something, and to me, the NBA can rectify that too. If it's by some miracle he is innocent, which I find that to be impossible, allow him back in the league. Great. Then you may not be made a mistake. You can rectify that situation. Fantastic. But I don't see that. I think it's fairly obvious. <laughs> and right. I, know I might get killed about this, but I don't see how he can really escape this. He's, it looks like he's guilty to me. And right. the, the NBA is not beholden to the legal system. Like, that's there's two separate entities. I mean, the NBA can't put him in jail. I mean, he can not play basketball um, within the United States for the National Basketball Association. So I, I get, to me, it's one of those things where the NBA should conduct their own investigation to see if these allegations are 100% true. The legal system, that is a... To me, a separate issue. Um, right. I think the NBA shouldn't wait to take action. We, sh- we shouldn't wait till April to have a final resolution from an NBA standpoint. This should right, be right. pretty uh, made succinct quickly, in my opinion. Yeah, and what I've seen from what Adam Silver has said um, with regards to this, he has come out and said the allegations in front of us regarding the Kevin Porter Jr. situation are horrific. So I think there there's an understanding <laughs> from him there. Um, what he has also said, however, is that we have we have a lot of time here before the season starts. Now, that's relative. I don't like um, that comment from him. He He says we have time to work here. So it wouldn't surprise me if 
in the next week or two, we do get something like what you're mentioning there, Justin. I, I think they're just making sure th those things and even a, an inside investigation, I'm sure there is a lot of red tape behind the scenes that they need to have of significant <clears throat> proof and all that. But of definitely, definitely, I think, you know, I respect the urgency, you know, yeah. that you're mentioning there. And it's, yes. it is a bad look if the NBA sits on it for too long. I will say this, and I'll be quiet. Just with, with John Morant, if you take a look at that situation, and particularly the most recent one, um, I think it was taking place during the finals or during the playoffs, and Adam Silver said they were going to wait. I mean, while that was very serious, there was no victim. He pulled out a gun. There was no crime committed. So that makes sense to conduct a full investigation, take their time. Right here, I mean, this guy has a huge previous history of this bad behavior is not even, that's an understatement of just really horrific and bad things he's done in the past. And this crime here in particular is pretty terrible as well. So I think swift action is appropriate compared to with the John Moran situation where I think you can somewhat take your time. I'm not dismissing what John, believe me, we've been super hard on John Moran on the show, but I just think in terms of this Kevin Porter Jr. situation, there should be swift action. There should be not a, we have a bunch of time until the season starts. Um, mm -hmm. I think the NBA should be using its full resources to confirm that these allegations are true or false and then take swift action after. Yeah. And what's interesting is the NBA took longer. You mentioned the gravity of the situation being very different between those two. The NBA had, I mean, direct video yeah. that, basically John Morant <laughs> essentially posted himself or his yeah. friend posted it. Yeah. Whereas here I haven't seen anything in terms of that video evidence or, or things like that, which I don't want to see that for one thing, but um, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, bottom line, I think basketball fans can rest assured. I don't think he is going to be playing for any team at, tip off certainly or at any point of the season next year unless as you mentioned earlier something very very radically different from the allegations comes out yeah no, um, agreed so yeah. we do need to give this story a little bit more time obviously to develop we're kind of in the early stages of this happening with it happening earlier this week but there you go as far as what we know about the kevin porter jr situation thus far Let's go ahead and move on to our final topic here, which is a bit of an exciting development, I think, for NBA fans. We can talk about it, whether it, it really does anything or not, but this is a ruling from the NBA Board of Governors. They met this week on Wednesday, and this past Wednesday, and they... Um, well, I'll just read the Woj tweet here. Quote, ESPN source, the NBA Board of Governors has voted to approve new rules, strengthening resting policy rules and punishments for star players that include national TV games, in-season tournament games, and sitting out multiple all-stars together in regular season games. Continued from Woj, teams must refrain from any long-term shutdown or near shutdown when a star player stops participating in games or plays in a materially reduced role in circumstances affecting the integrity of the game, 
per memo obtained by ESPN, end quote, and that was from a tweet or an X or whatever we're calling it, from Woj. I also read from yahoosports.com from a Chris Quick article that the <clears throat> fines will be escalating in this situation. First incident will be 100K. Second incident instance for the team, fine 250K and then escalates up into $1 million and then beyond that for, you know, escalating incidences uh, throughout a season. Justin, just kind of bird's eye view hearing these headlines and this news. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, I think this is directly in play for, and I don't know if this has been talked about, this is pure speculation on my part, but I think this plays into the NBA's media rights negotiations that are coming up mm. in terms of making sure that the stars are being seen on a nightly basis. You know, resting stars is not good for business in terms of in-person attendance and for television viewers. I mean, we've seen it all the time. And how many times have we seen we're looking forward to this game and then LeBron will rest or Durant will rest or James Harden will rest. And it's, I mean, even the guys on TNT will be like, well, this game sucked. I mean, we were looking forward to it, but you know, the star players are not playing in this game. So I think the NBA is taking steps to um, rectify that situation. I wonder how the players association is going to respond to this. Um, but yeah, this is directly, I think, in response to the NBA trying to get the best media rights deals. So the players are participating every single week. I mean, this is this is entertainment. I think a lot of people forget about that. And, you know, the world is changing in terms of how people watch and view media. And when you have players rest on a consistent basis, that just really hurts you in terms of the ratings. And live sports is huge. It's a very massive commodity. And when you have like a Saturday night game that NBC has been, sorry, not NBC, they might get NBA, I don't know, but the ABC, excuse me, um, been hyping up. So if you have like the Warriors, Lakers, you know, you're hyping up that game for two weeks. And then all of a sudden that week, you know, Steph Curry and LeBron decide the rest. I mean, that's going to take a lot of luster from, you know, that game. So I think this is a path to rectifying that situation. Um, it's good for us, the fans, we get to see the star players play more. And I think it's good for the rest of the league. I mean, NBA tickets are expensive. I mean, they're yeah. a fortune. And, you know, if you're, if you're fortunate to have an NBA team in your city, and you're dropping, you know, certain amount of money on tickets. I mean, I mean, the day and age now, quite honestly, it's over where it's very seldom to where you can go to an NBA game and it's very affordable because a lot of the teams are good. So even if your team sucks, I mean, do you want you want to see LeBron? You want to see James Harden? You want to see these stars coming to your town on a regular basis, even if like the Pistons are going to be mediocre to bat. I mean, so. I think in that aspect, I think it's good for the fans. We'll see how the players react to this, though. Yeah, great points. And as someone who tries to make it up to Denver at least once a year for a Nuggets game, even though yeah. my team is the Rockets, the Nuggets are a little bit closer to us. Yeah, I mean, last year I was lucky. I got to see Jokic versus Giannis, Nuggets versus Bucks. It was great, but there was that thought in the back of my mind and it's been increasing each year gosh what if we get up to denver make all this effort get a hotel room all this stuff and you know Jokic needs to rest in preparation for the playoffs or Giannis isn't there i mean injuries are one thing but if it's like a load management scheduled rest 
man, I mean, you want to respect the players and keep them healthy, but that is a huge letdown from the fan side. So if they are healthy, I, I think this is a great move by the NBA players. I want to, or the NBA board of governors. Um, I want to read a little bit more from this article from Chris quick here quote in an effort to keep players fresh for the playoffs. NBA teams have engaged in load management for some of the biggest names in the sport, Los Angeles Lakers forward LeBron James and Los Angeles Clippers forward Kawhi Leonard are among the players who have received semi-regular days off resting during the regular seasons. Under the new policy, both the Clippers and Lakers could face fines if they continue to engage in that strategy, though it depends on when those players receive rest and if the team opts to also rest other star players. So there's an element of, you know, you could still see these players rested if they have another star player on the roster. You know, they're hopefully going to continue being healthy. And maybe this also pushes the conversation forward about how we're spacing games out, uh, how maybe less and less back to backs. Um, they've already made efforts in terms of this, but maybe even we have discussion about spreading the season out a tiny bit more as well. Um, no, completely agreed with you. Yeah, we'll see how just the the consequences are um, just regarding this. I'm sure the players are not going to be too happy about this, but I think it's good for the league. And, you know, this has been a bone of contention with the media, bone of contention with the fans. So I'm glad the NBA is making steps to just rectify this because, you know, I think going to a game, like you said, Matt, you have plans. Like I went seeing my first NBA game and – you know, a lot of the Nuggets, <laughs> a lot of stars, they sat out. So <laughs> there's a bummer seeing them play against my uh, Chicago Bulls there. So, Absolutely, yeah. So I think there's there's a lot of validity here when they're talking about maintaining the integrity of the game. The NBA has been on such a successful run. There's been a lot of growth with the sport of basketball in general. This is a ruling, I think, that can help start the process of maintaining the integrity of the game and continuing that success forward, making sure that things are in line so that the NBA, some people, to be honest, I mean, maybe they are folks who are very biased against the NBA, but there are people who, you know, call the NBA a joke league and like things like that. This kind of helps balance things out and maybe draws some more of the casual sports fans who have been a little less interested in the NBA. You're getting more and more interesting games if you're having more and more star participation, obviously. So hopefully this brings um, a view of more prestige and legitimacy to the NBA moving forward. Completely agree. All right, guys, that's going to do it for In the Lab with Hoopsology this episode been a pleasure as always want to remind you guys you can email the show any feedback or thoughts hoopsologypod at gmail.com you can check out our extensive podcast and video library wherever you're listening to podcasts or our library on youtube if you're more into the video side of things we will be back really soon we've got some great interviews that are coming your way so stay tuned to the feed and wherever you're subscribed to us We thank you so much for listening. For Matt, for Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. Peace out. See ya. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology, presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. 
Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.